Hello everyone. Today's message is brought to you with the letter I and the number four. Sunny day. No, stop that. This is a serious message about discipleship and we're veering dangerously close to copyright infringement. So let's have the proper title screen. You're listening to the Exeter Vineyard Church podcast. New episodes each week. To watch the full video version of this podcast, head over to our website, www.exe.vin forward slash podcasts. We are doing a series on discipleship. We are spending seven sessions thinking about this. It's a very religious church word and we want to unpack what does it actually mean and what does it look like? What does it what is the role we have in this? What is the role God has in it? How does the church help it happen? And what is the end goal for discipleship? So we started thinking about the environments that we find ourselves in that contribute to discipleship. So we have the Sunday service, hubs, discipleship groups, and our everyday life. And then we started to think about skills that we need to be able to lean into discipleship, to be able to cooperate with what God wants to do. So these are things that when we know they help us, or if we don't know, they actually hold us back. And I came up with five that I think are really important for us to know. So last session, we talked about the only requirement to enter into discipleship is to say yes. When Jesus says, follow me, we just need to say yes. Easier said than done. This one today, the second one we're gonna look at is, God is the one who disciples us. So today we're going to think about this idea that it is God directly who disciples us, each of us, what that means and how that works. And I've got four points all beginning with the letter I. So it's like a proper traditional, what you would get in a normal, real church with a real vicar kind of sermon. I'm going to go through these quite quickly. But what I want us to think about is which of these actually, although I might agree with intellectually, which of these do I struggle to really believe? are true for me? Which of these do I struggle to live out in my real life and for us to think about these? So four points all beginning with I and the first one is intention. Discipleship has always been God's intention. It is his plan to transform us into the person he created us to be. We are all made in God's image so we all have this unique way to reflect something of God's infinite majesty back to creation And yet that gets buried under the mess of the world. So it might be our own shortcomings and failings. It might be other people's shortcomings and failings that have affected us. It can just be this broken world we live in and the environment we find ourselves in have meant all this stuff gets buried under a load of rubbish. Discipleship is the way that God is transforming us into his original intention, where we find that we start to take on the same kind of character that Jesus had. It says in the Bible, in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. This is a real mind blower of a passage. This is saying that before creation, before the time space universe existed, so there is just God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. 
he had already thought about us, you and me, and was already madly in love with us. I mean, this is crazy. The before there was anything, he had you in mind. And it says that um, he had a version of you in mind that was holy and without fault. So not quite the person we are now, but there's something in us that he wants to bring out that is the version he was thinking of. Uh, he wanted to bring us into his own, own family, even despite what it would cost. And then this last bit, which sometimes we miss with God, he wanted to do it and it gives him great pleasure. It's his intention always for us to be discipled towards the person he created us to be. So that's the first eye. The second one is invested. It was his intention and he is invested in this. This isn't an academic exercise for God. It's not something that he's just kind of, you know, like left out. And if we want to get involved, we can do. He is so invested in this. Discipleship or being transformed isn't like a test. It's not like taking a GCSE where we swat up and hope we pass. It's not that God is the examiner and we are the subject and hoping we get through. God is so involved, he is taking the test for us, really. And the cross is the, is the evidence of how invested God is. He, he could only do this process by dying for us. And he chose to do that because he wants it so much. It says this, we keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This whole way of trusting God starts and is perfected by Jesus. And how did he do this? Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. God so wants to do this, he's so invested, it brings him so much joy that he went to the cross for this. So God intended this to happen, he is fully invested in it. And my third point, he is involved in it. This idea that we sometimes fall into that God is watching us from a distance, that he kind of sets everything up and then he's off doing something else while we just get on with it, couldn't be further than the truth. God is involved in our day-to-day -day life. Discipleship is happening in those moments in our day when we make these myriad of choices about how we are gonna live our life and what role God is gonna take in that, how much we are going to be saying yes and following Jesus in all these tiny little choices through the day. And actually the more that we can see God is involved in our everyday uh, moment by moment life, the easier it is to be discipled. It's tempting sometimes to think discipleship is something that happens at certain times and in certain situations. You know, we go to a class and we learn or we go and do a mission trip and that's when discipleship's happen. And then the rest of our lives, we are just trying to get on with it as much as we can. We're just trying to get through our work and our home and all those sorts of things. But actually it is at work and it is in our homes where we have these opportunities to allow God to be shaping us. It is often in those places that we would least suspect it, that seem the least religious and the most normal, where we are making lots of small choices that start to shape our character more towards who Jesus is or further away. And we need to remember that God is involved in us, in you and in me. This isn't a process, it's just for the select few, those people that we tend to think of who have it more together with God. 
one of the things, one of the surprising things in the gospel is how involved Jesus is with the people who are in a complete mess, who are looked down on by the religious professionals. So we should never think, well, God's not really involved in my life because he's, because I'm not quite right. He's doing stuff with other people who are, who are better at this. God is fully involved with who you are, where you are now, and we can allow that involvement to shape us. It says this in um, 2 Corinthians, it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's talking about kind of like not being able to perceive God. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's a freedom from the constraints of, I guess, being discipled by the way the world lives. Suddenly we're free. We don't have to fit into that pattern. We can start to discover the life God has for us. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You see, the process of discipleship often isn't one bolt from the blue transformation. It is this process of ever increasing. Sometimes it's requiring us to look back six months, a year, five years and say, oh, I'm not that person anymore. I have changed. Those insecurities and fears and shortcomings have now been transformed. In the next chapter, Paul goes on to say, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Every single day, God is at work in our spirit as we let him to transform us more and more towards the likeness of Jesus. And our outward bodies might be getting wrinkled and saggy and tired and achy, but inwardly we are being transformed. So it was God's intention to disciple us. He is invested in that happening. He is involved with us in a day-to-day -day closeness in it. And finally, he is innovative in it. Each of us is unique. We are a unique mix of our personalities, our insecurities, our fears, our experiences, our situation, our skills, our relationships. And God interacts with those in a unique way. Now, quite often in church, what we want to do is pull people into conformity. It just makes things simpler. Everyone can fit into the system, the programs we're running. We have ways of assessing whether people are doing well or doing badly based on how well they conform to this ideal. And this is really common. And actually what tends to happen is the prevailing culture starts to set what the church culture should be. So for us in Exeter Vineyard, I think the temptation is to say, well, discipleship should be leading us towards a nice middle-class person, you know, who is respectable and doesn't mess up and is neat and tidy and is very nice. Now, the problem is you look at any of those things and Jesus wasn't really those things you know not always and in fact he got by his critics got accused of being a glutton and a friend of sinners and all these things so God's intention is not to make us nice citizens what he wants to do is bring out the image of God in us and so we have to be open to the unique leading that God has for us not just try and fit into the shapes that we feel are most acceptable for our culture even in our church culture 
So Jesus is explaining this to a Pharisee and he says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There is something that God is doing inside us that is unique and personal and cannot be planned or plotted on paper. So I've used this example before, forgive me if you've heard it. I want you to imagine a scene that is a homeless person begging on the side of the street and three Christians walk by. The first person, uh, the, the guy's begging, can you give me spare any change? The first Christian gets the money out, gives it to the person, goes on. The second person doesn't give any money, but stops, has a chat and then goes on. Third Christian comes past, can you spare any change? just keeps on walking. Which one of those did the Christian thing? Which one did what God wants them to do? Now, possibly you have in your mind an idea which person did the God thing, and my guess would be it would be the second person, the person who stopped and had a chat, which we'll come back to. But the reality is, because God is doing a unique discipleship with us, each of those persons can either pull away from God's leading or say yes to it. They can pull more away from being discipled towards the likeness of Christ, or they can lean into it. The first guy stops in giving some money. Maybe God has been challenging. Maybe the discipleship step that God has for him as he says, follow me, is stop being so tight with your money. You know, you need to trust me for your resources. Don't hold so tightly to your money. So when someone says, can you give me some money? Actually, this is, God's prompted me about this. He's speaking to me about this. Yes, I will give you some of my money. But similarly, God could be talking about that person, about uh, involvement, being present, having compassion with people. He walks past, can you give me some money? He thinks, yeah, I'll give you some money because I'm not going to miss it. It's of no cost to me. It's too small an amount to make any difference to me. Uh, But it makes my conscience feel good. So I feel happy to ignore this whole issue. One's fantastic following God. One is pulling away from what God wants. Maybe the second man, God's saying, look, you can use your money to, uh, it's not going to cost you anything really, you won't notice it, make yourself feel better. Or what I would love you to do is to get to know someone, to connect relationally with the person. So he sits down, doesn't give money, instead he sits down, has a conversation, starts to get to know people, starts to experience God's heart for someone in that situation. Again, the same response could be a good response or a bad response according to what God's calling. The third person who just keeps walking, doesn't give money, doesn't stop. Well, maybe, maybe God wants them to give money. Maybe God wants them to stop uh, and they are ignoring that. I just don't want to think about those. I'm too caught up with my own staff. I don't want to think about the suffering in the world, so I'm not going to get involved. Or maybe God has challenged them. Do you know what? You often try and fix problems. You try and solve the problems with your own resources, try and make yourself feel better by your actions, by giving money or stopping and talking. Instead, I want you to go home and pray for that person. I mean, maybe that is what they've done, but you see three different responses. They can all be following God or stepping away from God. The reason I suspect most of us think the second one is the one that God wants is because it's probably the one we find hardest. And that is a really interesting observation to make for ourselves. Often when we discover God's leadings, when we discover this is a thing that I am fearful of, and God says, don't be afraid because as you follow me, I will be with you. 
So anyway, those four things about God himself personally discipling us. It's his intention. He is so invested in it beyond what we can imagine. He is involved in it day to day with us and he is innovative. He is going to speak to us in ways that sometimes we might say to other people and they'll say, oh, that sounds a bit weird. So think about those four things. Which one of those do you struggle to believe God uh, wants to do in your life? Which one of those do you struggle to believe that is the way God is relating to you and working in your life? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about Exeter Vineyard Church, head over to our website, www.exe.vin.